Good evening. This is Pastor Logan. Good to see you all this morning. Well, I don't really see you, but I trust that you're there. Uh, this is our Wednesday evening Bible study, a study of the Bible. We're still going through the book of um, Celebration of Disciplines by Richard J. Foster, uh, taking excerpts from his book and just kind of looking at them, taking a better look. It's been a, an amazing book to go through, uh, transformative if we if we take it in and absorb it and then act on it. Uh, so we're going to get further into uh, the discipline of service. Hopefully we'll finish it this evening. Uh, if not, we'll come back. I, I, I thought for a minute we we're going to just go to the next chapter. And then I said, no, there's so much in this last little bit of chapter on uh, celebration of disciplines that I decided to stay with it uh, just a little bit longer. Let me say this at the onset of, uh, of our study. You know how you know whether or not you're in spiritually good shape or not? You know if you're in spiritually good shape or not, dependent upon your desire for the Word of God. If you are not desirous, like if your appetite is gone for God's Word, maybe you're just kind of peddling around, maybe just do a, a basic nominal kind of uh, devotional, uh, but nothing real intense and nothing about thinking about His Word and meditating upon His Word and reading His Word and being uh, excited about hearing the Word of God, whether you're at home or whether you're at church or whether you're listening to it on your radio, a good way to determine your spiritual health is your appetite for spiritual things. If you have no appetite or have a very little appetite for spiritual things, uh, the Word that is, you know, a lot of people use that term spiritual in many ways today, but for the Word of God and to hear and to discern the voice of God, then it's a probably indicated that you, you're spiritually not as healthy as you ought to be. And all of us go through times in which we may be a little uh, off um, spiritually. We may not have the same appetite. And sometimes we just need to reset and get back into uh, where we're, we're desiring the Word of God even more, taking a time away from everything else and developing our appetite back, getting well, getting well uh, spiritually. So just want to put that out there at the onset of this so that you know if, if, if I'm not really excited about hearing the Word of God, my, my level, there was a time in which I was wanting more of the Word, I couldn't wait to hear the Word, got up in the morning, read the Word of God, listened to uh, ministers uh, by way of the television, uh, come to Bible study, go to church, um, you listen, just listening to the Word, then you may need to check your spiritual uh, health out uh, because appetite is always in the physical we know that you know someone is sick they normally lose their appetite they don't want to eat you know even people who have a hearty appetite will many times lose their appetite when they're not feeling well or when their body is out of sync so i think the same goes for us spiritually if you don't have a spiritual appetite uh, for the word of god it might be a great in indication that uh, maybe just maybe um you need to just ask god to help me to get back in shape again spiritually all right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this evening in which we're here gathered together uh, by way of online uh, to hear your word and to, to uh, understand more about how to get in spiritual shape. Thank you so much for spending this time with us by your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, uh, we ask that you minister each and every one. We know that no wall, no television, no internet um, is, can keep you away. And so thank you for thinking through my mind, speaking through my lips this evening, and ministering to each and every person under the sound of my voice this evening. In Jesus' mighty name. And Father, we also declare that everything the enemy has 
is off limits to us. Uh, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. No coronavirus, no anything else shall prosper against your people. We are covered by the blood of Jesus. And we thank you for it now. In Jesus' mighty name, let everybody say out there, amen. All right, let's get into it. All right, so we're in the, the uh, latter part of uh, celebration of uh, or discipline of service. And this, is, this one really hits us where we live uh, about celebration of service. So let's go. Um, this this, uh, this uh, subtitle uh, is Yes, But. Yes, dot, 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 but. Uh, and it says, number one, right here we must see the difference between choosing to serve and choosing to be a servant. There's a distinction between choosing to serve and choosing to be a servant. One does it out of a volition of his own will, like, you know, that's, I'm, I'm going to choose to do this job, but not this job. Um, but as we'll see, a servant is a little different than someone who chooses to serve. Um, when we choose to serve, when we choose to serve, we are still in charge. We decide whom we will serve and when we will serve. And if we are in charge, we will worry a great deal about anyone stepping on us. That is, taking charge over us. So a person who chooses to serve is concerned about, worried about the, the dynamics of his serving. Who he's serving? Is there anyone out there trying to get over on him as he's serving? because he's chosen a particular job to do. Uh, he doesn't consider himself a servant. He's just doing this almost as a part-time gig. Um, and so he can pick and choose. And so he's very concerned about getting over on somebody doing them wrong, so on and so forth. Uh, but a servant, listen to this, but when we choose to be a servant, we give up. Everybody say give up. We give up the right to be in charge and we don't like that i know i don't like that you probably don't like that none of us like not being in charge however a servant doesn't have a say if we choose to be a servant not choose to serve then we're not in charge anymore someone else is in charge there is a great freedom in this if we voluntarily choose to be taken advantage of then we cannot be manipulated. When we choose to be a servant, we surrender the right to decide who and when we will serve. We become available and vulnerable. We don't like vulnerability. We protect our borders, especially if we've ever been hurt before. We become more in charge, more controlled. And so to be a true servant is to push all of that to side aside and to say you know what I'm a servant and whatever whatever the master wants or whatever the service required that's who I am I don't have a say in whether or not I clean that up or not or if it's too dirty a job or not I don't want to do that because I'm a servant and a servant it basically has no say he's given up his freedoms to be in charge and so we need to gain that understanding of what God has called us to he's called us to servant, servanthood, to be a servant of the Most High God. And with that being said, it demands of us that we give up our rights. Now listen to this. 
Number three, consider the perspective of a slave. Now, you know, especially now, we don't want to talk about slave enslavement. We don't talk about any of that. And, and, and in this case, we're not talking about that kind of slavery, but the term still applies. Now, listen, it says a slave sees all of life from the viewpoint of slavery. He does not see himself as possessing the same rights as a free man and woman. Please understand me. When this slavery is involuntarily, remember that, involuntarily, it is cruel and dehumanizing. Uh, and so that's the kind of slavery that took place in this country for, for many, many years. Uh, but we're not talking about that kind of slavery but we also are talking about the things that took place in that kind of slavery from the standpoint of not being in charge. When the, when the slave, or when slavery is freely chosen, however, everything is changed. Voluntary servitude is a great joy. So could you imagine uh, going and voluntarily becoming the slave of someone? Well, there's got to be a couple of things that in order for me to do that, and I'm certain for you as well, in order for me to voluntarily choose to be someone's slave, I've got to choose the right kind of master. You hear what I'm saying? In other words, if I'm going to say, you have charge over my life, and I'll do whatever you tell me to do, no matter what, I want to know that that master has my best interest in mind, that he truly does love me, and that he would never, ever put me out uh, in harm's way to really cause damage to myself or to my family. He's really looking out for me. And with that being understood, then I can voluntarily, voluntarily become a slave of a good, loving master, which we have the very best master of all, Jesus Christ, God, the Heavenly Father. Um, they, would, they will always do everything in love. Even when, I, when we're serving, even when we've given up our own rights, we can sleep at night knowing that he's never going to do anything to harm us or to do us wrong. And so that's the type of voluntary slavery that we put ourselves under. And, and really what God calls of us to, be in, to, to, to lose um, sight of our own lives. The Bible tells us this. It says no, no man can, can follow after Jesus Christ. In other words, be his slave unless he gives up his own life. What does that mean? Give up, give up charge of his own life. Give up the say in his own life. And many of us, really, we really don't like that. We don't like having someone else have the say in our lives. But in order to be truly um, uh, effective as a believer in Jesus Christ, we have to give up the rights of our own life so that we can receive his rights. And so that is so vitally important that we see that, that piece and, and understand um, the heart of a slave or the heart of a true servant is I don't, I don't, no longer do I, am I in charge of my life. If he tells me to get up at midnight and go do something, he's, he's the master. Uh, I, I trust him. Not only do I trust him, but I have now voluntarily laid my life down for him. I have given up my rights to my own life. And, and those things are so very, very difficult. For many of us who who have a have grown up with a sense of entitlement, like no one's gonna tell me what to do, no one's gonna tell me that I've got to do this, no one's gonna make me do this. 
Well, what if your master told you to do it for the sake of someone else? What if he said, so that, so that you can show love to other people, I want you to do this? Now, there was, there was a man in the Bible who, who was a true servant of God, um, who, who, who literally, God told him his wife had been, had been unfaithful to him, and God said, I want you to go, and his wife ended up in the, on the slave block, um, and God said, I want to show Israel how I, I will be to them. I want you to go and purchase your wife back who is, uh, has been playing the harlot. I want you to purchase her back and bring her back in as your wife and marry her and love her and all of that. And he did it. If you study the prophets in the Bible, many of them had some very difficult tasks. They served God. They didn't even have the spirit of God from the standpoint of being born again. But yet they gave their lives up for the cause because God asked them to do it. And you hear the, the, the language between them and God sometimes. They're like, God, what do I mean? All right. Uh, okay, that, that's what you want. You know, I'm going to take it on the chin. But they did it because they saw themselves as a servant. Can you imagine telling people things that, that they did not want to hear? You know, Jeremiah, he, you look at him in the Bible, and God would tell him to go prophesy doom and destruction against the nation of Israel. The Babylons, the Babylonians were going to come in. King Nebuchadnezzar was going to come in and wipe them out. And, and, and he was like, okay. While all the false prophets were giving good testimonies, he had to go be the bad guy. He had to be the one man out and give all the bad news. He knew that they were going to hate him for it. They hated him so much that they put him in jail for it. Can you imagine that type of voluntary slave enslavement? That's a true servant. But God has called us to the same kind of lifestyle. Anyone who will come after God must lay down the rights to his own life. And that's really where the rubber meets the road for each and every one of us. Will we lay down our life? Will we go where God tells us to go and not where we can make the most money? Will we, will we go and, and talk to this person when our families have been feuding for years? Will we go to our wife or our husband and say, I'm sorry, please forgive me, when we feel so strongly that they were the ones at fault? Will we do things like that? Will we go to that person who, who you know is antagonistic towards you, but God has told you, go and buy that person lunch. And you're like, I don't want to buy that person no lunch. But God said to buy that person lunch. God said to, to go and do it. And, and, and you look like the guy who's now the, the fall guy or the wimp or the, or the, or, or the uh, uh, as they say, the uh, uh, whatever. I don't know any of those, those terms you want to think of. Uh, so what? We're doing it because our master has told us to do so. All right, so keep that in mind. Listen to this. Uh, therefore, number five, I think I got to number five. Therefore, the fear that we have taken, that we will be taken advantage of and stepped on is justified. Guess what? If you are a servant of God, you can best believe that you're going to get be taken advantage of and you're going to get stepped on. You know, sometimes, you know, we try to uh, rationalize or 
validate or justify what we do. Like if we're going to give someone some money or something, someone on the street, got we feel it prompting to give someone something. And then we want to tell them what they're going to do with the money. <laughs> well, now what you going to do with that money? You gonna, don't you go out there and buy no... Our goal is just to be the slave. Just do what God told you to do. Did he tell you to give them some money? And what, what, what's it on you or I to determine what they're going to do with the money? That's, that's, we just did what God told us to do. And we, but again, we don't want to be manipulated, like they're going to take advantage over us or, or something like that. That's not it. God knows more than we do. God is tying the two ends together. We're not. We're not all seeing. We don't see the beginning of the parade and the end of the parade and the middle of the parade at the same time. We're in one point of the parade. God sees the whole parade, and he's given us instructions from his perspective and not from ours. So in order for us to get out of the way, we've got to get out of charge of our lives. I'll do this if. No, you do this. We should do this because the master has told us to do so. And if the master has told us to do it, then we do it. That's freedom. We don't have to worry about the outcome. We don't have to be concerned about, you know, did I do it? What's he going to do with it? And, you know, they just took me. Now, forget about that. You can't get taken when God is the one who gave you the command. God is watching out for you. So for us. And I know that that plays, and I know, well, just put it this way. It plays in my mind. Did I just get taken? You know, but that is not how God wants us to see our servitude or our enslavement. He wants to see it. I just, you did exactly what I told you to do. That's it. And, and, and there's another scripture in the Bible says, if you do what God told, told, tells us to do, he says, why are you patting yourself on the back for it? You're no different than all other slaves. That's what we do. We do what the master tells us to do. Now we have a loving master. He rewards us, but that's not what we do it. We do it because he is a loving master and we want to be obedient to him. So, but who can hurt someone who is freely chosen to be stepped on? You know, that's the truth. Jesus said it this way. If they hit you on your, excuse me, right, my right cheek, he said, turn to them the other cheek also. What is that talking about? It's talking about you, in a sense, staying in a place where no one can truly hurt you because you're the one now laying it down. You know, you're late. you you gave them your cheek. They didn't take your cheek. You gave it to them. And so that's how we stay freed up. Um, Thomas Akempis instructs us to be, quote, so subject or so subjected to that all men may go over thee and tread upon thee as upon mire on the street. We don't like that imagery at all, do we? We don't like to be considered a walking mat, a, 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 a welcome mat, something that someone to step on. Now, now obviously, we're not talking about asceticism where we, where we all uh, just take these cruel vows to take all this punishment and cruelty upon our body. No, God's redeemed us from that, thank God. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's who we are. That's where we stand. That's, that's, that's the way we are. That's God, how God has made us. So in that sense, uh, God is now the one who's watching over us. And, and so we don't, we don't, listen, we don't just uh, take it, take stuff, 
unless God has now told us, I want you to serve them in this capacity. I hope that makes sense to you. In other words, we're still, we're still here on this earth. If you just look at the lives of, of, of Paul, Paul said, I've been beaten with many stripes. I've, I've been, you know, all the uh, stoned and all of these things that happened to him in his servanthood, in his enslavement uh, to, to Christ. But God had him through it all. I hope this is making sense. Number six, finally, the exasperation, in exasperation, Brother Leo asked, I beg you in God's name to tell me where perfect joy is. Now, let me go back. I thought this hit my mind. We don't take nothing from the devil, though. You hear me? We don't take nothing from the devil. We command every demonic entity, every foul spirit. If you want to take charge of anything, take charge of those who God has given us authority over and that was over principalities and powers and wicked things in high places. Remember, he told us we don't fight against flesh and blood. Some of us are wanting to go grab the first whoever and beat them down and make them suffer. That's not our war. That's not our battle. This whole isms with the, with the race right now, it's not about color. It's a demonic warfare. It is in, it is in, the, in the fiber of our, uh, of our society is a demonic fight, a demonic warfare that would cause or pit one man against another man. It's that that's there. So we need to take charge over that. We need to command that, but not, not people necessarily. All right. Brother Leo asks, I beg you in God's name to tell me where perfect joy is. Whereupon Francis began enumerating the most humiliating self-abasing things he could imagine, adding each time, oh, Brother Leo, write that perfect joy is there. To explain and conclude the matter, he told Brother Leo, above all the graces and gifts of the Holy Spirit, which Christ gives to his friends, is that of conquering oneself and willingly enduring sufferings, insults, humiliations, and hardships for the love of Christ. It brings to my mind, and it's on my mind as it is most people, a lot of people today, because it's such a hot subject today. But I think back to the uh, the civil rights movement, and 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 I, and I just wonder uh, the the likes of those men and women who stood at the Woolworth um, um, uh, a store, uh, drug store, and uh, were having uh, coffee poured on them and and cigarette butts. Uh, stamped out on their necks and, and treated with harshness and, and insults and, and all kinds of things. You know, I think the fire of that time is that they, they remain servants. They, may, they remain servants of God, servants of the Most High, to love people despite, despite the ugliness, despite the brutality, despite the suffering. And because of that, they won out not through rioting, they won out through love. Love conquers all. Love is the conqueror. But love will cause you to do some things that are very hard and very difficult. You'll get, you'll get egg on your face. You'll get slammed. People call you names. People make light of you. Your name will go out of the community as a whatever kind of a person. You know, and almost that's okay. That's all right. Because remember, God has got our back. It's love. It's, it's love that wins. 
And love is the motivation for servanthood. Love of the Father upon us and love his love flowing to us, through us, to affect mankind. God loved all people, all both black and white. So he said, he told these people to go out there and, and basically, I'm, I'm saying he, but, but go out there and, and resist nonviolently. In other words, show your love. Don't lash out. Boy, don't you know that would have been difficult to do? Don't you know that, that, that to, to, to govern your flesh while someone is spitting on you and hurling out all kinds of accusations against you and, and stuffing out cigarette butts and coffee pouring on you and all those things and you maintain your cool? That's love. I don't care what anyone says. That's love. That is love. All right. And that love, the Bible says about love, love never fails. Hatred fails. Bitterness fails. Resentfulness fails. Uh, ambition fails. But love never fails. And the heart of love is servitude. Is serving others. Is giving people what they need. That's love. Number seven. We find those words hard to deal with today. We fear, don't we though? We fear that such an attitude will lead irrevocably down the path of excessive asceticism. And asceticism basically is suffering, you know, um, just make, putting yourself out there to, 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 to get spit upon and poured on, all of that kind of stuff that really is not Christianity or the love, heart of God at all. That's just wrong thinking, you know. But it does have a, a piece of asceticism in being a servant. So it says here, uh, excessive asceticism and self-mortification. In the church, we are, we are only now emerging from a worm theology. We are emerging from a worm. In other words, I'm just an old sinner. I'm just in a worm, you know. I, no, no, that's not who we are. <laughs> Not at all. We are ambassadors, but our ambassadorship calls for servitude. And we serve from the high place, not from a low place. So don't even buy into, I'm just a worm. Don't, don't, don't even go there. You, Jesus was not just a worm, and yet the Bible says he laid down his life. He laid down his life for us. So, Worm theology, that terribly devalued human ability and potential. Isn't that the truth? Does service lead back to that? No, certainly not. Now, a good example of that, you know, Jesus was serving the people when he ran them out of the temple. Did you know that? The heart, the passion of God, you know, the passion, the fervency of God upon Jesus when he went in the temple and saw them uh, doing uh, um, uh, selling and 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 doing business in a holy place, and Jesus took and, and turned over the the money changers and and then whipped them out. But that was service to them. They didn't take it like service, I'm sure. But he was serving them. He was telling them, "You guys are so uh, irreverent of the Most High God, and and I can't allow you to think that this is okay." And, and so sometimes our servitude will be like that, okay? And Jesus never saw himself as a worm. Never, ever did he uh, acquiesce to, to that of a worm. Um, service, uh, let's get back to where we're at. 
Does service lead back to that? No, certainly not. No doubt it is a danger we must always guard against. But we must also watch for the enemy in the opposite direction. As Bonhoeffer says, if there is no element of asceticism in our lives, if we give free rein to the desires of the flesh, we shall find it hard to train for the service of Christ. If you're trying to avoid suffering, and when I say suffering, I mean it you're doing something and getting uh, ridiculed for it or persecuted for it. I'm not, I'm not, we fight against the suffering of sickness. Not, no, we don't, that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about suffering that comes by way of being a proclaimer of the gospel. People not, uh, not um, uh, receiving you correctly or trying to damage you or hurt you, uh, that kind of, of, of persecution. Uh, that's what I'm talking about. That comes with the territory. You know, as a pastor, uh, being misunderstood, being mistaken, you know, having things said about you that are not true. And I'm not just talking about a pastor, but all people. Um, that comes with the territory. As a matter of fact, there's no saying, if you can't stand the heat, do what? Get out of the kitchen. I know there's certain things that come along with being a servant. Well, there's a proverb that says this. It says, where there are no oxen, there's no mess. But where the oxen, where, the, where, the, where there's many oxen, or where, the, where a barn, or a, I don't know, kennel, not a kennel, but a, whatever. The, when the throw is clean, there's, there's no oxen, when there's no mess. But when there is an oxen, there's going to be a lot of mess. There's going to be a lot of poop <laughs> to clean up because we've been called to that. And so as a servant, that's what we do. We're, poops. We're poop scoopers. We, we, we clean up messes. We get involved with messes and lives are messy. My life has been messy. Other people's lives have been messy. And God has called us into this world to deal with messes, to serve messes. You know, uh, I, I always marvel, uh, you know, when there, when there are certain things. Let's say you're in a restaurant and, and let's just say somebody throws up on the floor. Well, the restaurant owner, uh, he's not just going to sit there and let that throw up stay on the floor, I hope. Uh, but he may call a waiter or a waitress or uh, somebody who works there to come and clean up somebody's old nasty throw up on the floor, you know. And they got to do it or they lose a job. Well, God has called us to voluntary slavery in which whatever messes we come about, and he says, I need that cleaned up. That's our job. Put on some gloves and a mask and get down there and clean that floor. <laughs> That's our job. You want to get a pat on the back for it? It's our job. It's what we do. All right, let's move on. Last part of this is service in the marketplace. I hope I can get through uh, a good bit of it. Um, service in the marketplace. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is how we act this out in our day-to-day -day lives. This is what servanthood looks like practically uh, in our day-to-day -day lives. So, number one, service is not a list of things to do, though it is, though in it we discover things to do, it is not a code of ethics, but a way of living. To do specific acts of service is not the same thing as living 
in the discipline of service. So just going around doing a few acts of service is not waking up in the morning being a slave. And I, I'm sure a lot of the slaves uh, back in the day, I'm sure a lot of the slaves back in the day uh, wish up like, you know, I think I'm going to take the day off. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, it's hot. I won't feel like picking no cotton today. Uh, if he had that kind of charge of his life, I guarantee you, a lot of them would have stayed in or left. But they didn't have any choice. They were slaves. And, and they didn't have a choice to leave. They had to go and pick cotton no matter what. Whether it was hot, 100 degrees, humidity, and all that sweating, all that. They had to do it no matter what. Well, that's the difference between someone who picks and chooses and someone who is a slave and they wake up every day with that mentality. Well, we have that we should have the mentality of a slave, not to circumstances, not to the devil, but a slave to God, a loving master. And we wake up every day, God, what do you want me to do today? God, where do you want me to go today? God, what do you want me to say when I get there? Oh, you want me to do that? Okay, I guess, all right, I'll do it. You know, my life is not my own, it's your life. We got a prayer, a prayer at the end of this that, we'll, that, uh, that he offers in this book that I think is really good. It's a very simple prayer, and hopefully we'll get there. Number two, the one thing uh, to act like, <clears throat> it is one thing to act like a servant. It is quite another thing to be a servant. As, all in, the, all, as in all the disciplines, it is possible to master the mechanics of service without experiencing the discipline. All right. Number three, at the onset, there is service of hiddenness. Even public leaders can cultivate tasks of service that remain generally unknown. If all of our serving is before others, we will, we will be shallow people indeed. Hiddenness is a rebuke. Listen to this. Hiddenness is a rebuke to the flesh and can deal a fatal blow to pride. Hiddenness is a rebuke to the flesh and can deal a fatal blow to pride. So one way we serve is to not say anything about our service. Don't tell anyone. Now, that's not always possible because a lot of what we do is public. And a lot of people will see what we're doing. But as long as we're deflecting of that, uh, that is important. But sometimes you can get away with some stuff. You can do some things that no one will ever know you ever did it. Only God. And when God sees what is done in private, he will reward you openly. You just never know what people, some people are doing. You see, they get them all of these rewards. And like, you know, I ain't seen this joker do anything. And then all of a sudden, they're getting all these public rewards and like, well, what's that all about? Well, they've probably been doing some things privately, and they have so squashed their flesh and are living in a, in a service of, of hiddenness. Number four, there is a service of small things like Dorcas. Uh, like Dorcas, we find ways to make coats and garments by the, by the, for the widows. The second service that one should perform for another is in a Christian community is, the, is that of active helpfulness. This means initially simple assistance in trifling 
external matters. There is a multitude of these things wherever people live together. Nobody is too good for the meanest service. The meanest service. One who worries about the loss of time that's that such that's that such petty outward acts of helpfulness entail is actually taking the importance of his own career too solemnly. Basically what this is saying, I know that was a mouthful, but there are just little things we can do every single day just to be a blessing to people, just to help them out. It may, it may be something just as simple as someone drops something on the floor and instead of you them going down and get it, you reach down there and pick it up. Um, that's, it seems small, but if you stack those up throughout a day, they're just as big as one, one act. So you just do it all day long, a heart of a servant. He's just looking around, just like a waiter or a waitress. Waiter or waitress is sitting around. If there's something spilled on the table, they go. If they see that the person looking up, they go and say, well, do you need something? You need more water? You need more tea? Whatever. You know, they're, they're serving in that way. So these small acts throughout the day where we're just looking for opportunities, any opportunity. You know, going into a, um, um, a grocery store, and instead of just going in there, I got to get my groceries and leave, look around, open the door for someone going in at the same time you're going in. That's not a big, that's not a big thing, but a lot of those things all day long are really uh, the heart of a servant. You're just all day long, you're looking to serve someone. You know, a smile can even be of service to someone. Um, number five, uh, Francis de Sales says that the great virtues and the small fidelities are like sugar and salt. Sugar may have a more exquisite taste, but it's the use, but its use is less frequent. Salt is found everywhere. The great virtues are a rare occurrence. The ministry of small things is a daily service. Large tasks require great sacrifice for a moment. Small things require constant sacrifice. And what does the Bible tell us? It tells us to be salt. It tells us to be light, and it tells us to be salt. And so we sprinkle salt on a lot of things. And so it has a usefulness all day long. It has some form of usefulness. And so all day long, we look for ways, opportunities, in which we can serve someone else, ways we can do something for someone else. Number six, there is a service of guarding the reputation of others. This is huge right here. Or, as Bernard of Clarevox, I guess, put it, the service of charity. How, how necessary this is if we are to be saved from backbiting and gossip. The Apostle Paul taught us to speak evil to no one. We may clothe our backbiting in all religious respectability we want, but it will remain a deadly poison. There is a discipline in holding one's tongue that works wonders within us. That's important. You know, the, the, the service of holding our tongue, not sharing information um, that we could and that we could share about someone else, holding our tongue, serving other people in that manner. And so number seven says this, there is a service of guarding the reputation of, well, that, that is number seven, uh, number, number eight, nor should we be party to slanderous talk of others. In one church I served, we had a rule on the pastoral team 
that the members came to appreciate. We refuse to allow any person in the congregation to speak disparagingly of one pastor or another pastor. Or we could say that in this regard of one member to another member. Gently but firmly, we would ask them to go directly to the offending pastor or the offending member. Eventually, people understood that we simply would not allow them to talk to us about the pastor, to about pastor so-and-so or member so-and-so. This rule held to be uh, by the entire team was very beneficial, had very beneficial. So we can serve people by just not airing their dirty laundry, not, not, not sharing anything about them, not saying, you know, like, I, I don't really want to say this, but, but, you know, no, just don't say it. Just, that's pretty simple. Just don't say it. Don't repeat it. Don't go there. Don't. Just don't. And that will, boy, you talk about something that will beat your flesh down. It'll beat your flesh down. It'll beat your soul down to, to, to not go there. Number nine, Bernard warns us that the spiteful tongue strikes a deadly blow at charity and all who hear him speak so that as it, as it can destroys root and branch, not only in the immediate hearers, but also in all others to whom the slander flying from lip to lip is afterwards repeated. See, once it leaves the gate, you have no control over it. Once you, in a sense, it's kind of like the internet, our, our words. Once it goes out there, you can't get it back. Once your words go out there, you can't get them back. They're going to do damage. Not only will they do damage, but they also, you'll have to work now to, to change the way that thought impacted your mind and how you looked at that person. You may not want to look at the person that way anymore, but, but you will you will have to work on not on, on getting that thought out of your mind. Whereas if you never heard it, you wouldn't have to work on it. So that's important. You know, to just 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 don't go there. I guarantee you it will limit a lot of our conversations. You know, well, it won't necessarily limit them, it'll change them. It'll change us to start talking about something else. Like, you know, man, I, I learned in Genesis chapter such and such, you know, that's always a good place to be. In the Bible, talk about the Word of God. If you want to talk about somebody, talk about some dead folk in the Bible, like um, Adam. <laughs> talk about Moses. You know, talk about Paul and all those guys. They, you know, it's all right. Their whole lives are before us. We can talk about them all we want. You know, man, that joker David, man, he just lost his mind. You know what he did? Yeah, he was unfaithful to his wife. Yeah, he got that woman Bathsheba. Him and, you know, you can talk about that all you want. That And learn lessons from it. God has put those in the Bible for us to learn lessons from. But not about others. Not about people around us. All right. Um, number 10, I think. Oh, yeah. Number 10. This is the service... There is a service of being served. Now, this is, this is, seems like it's going against everything we just talked about. It says, when Jesus began to wash the feet of those he loved, Peter refused. He would never let his master stoop to such a menial service on his behalf. It sounds like a statement of humility. In reality, it was an act of veiled pride. Jesus' service was an affront to Peter's concept of, of authority. If Peter had been the master, he would not have washed feet. 
It is an act of submission and service to allow others to serve us. It recognizes their kingdom authority over us. We graciously receive the service rendered, never feeling we must repay it. Those who, out of pride, refuse to be served are failing to submit to divine appointed leadership of the kingdom of God. Now, right beside me uh, in the room with me tonight, I have my uh, uh, armor bearer, a uh, guy that hangs out with me. I don't, I, I've never really called him an armor bearer, but that's what he is, you know. And, and, and he, he will embarrass you with what he'll, what he'll, like he's always trying to grab my, my Bible and walk out. I'm like, man, I can, I can carry my Bible. You know, but, but his, it's the heart of serving. He, he wants to do it. I can carry my own Bible. I can carry my own coat. I can carry my own everything. And I will carry it. And it, it is no big deal. But, but, but it helps me to understand that truly in his heart, he sees it as a kingdom assignment. Like, like I, I'm supposed to do this. And I have to sometimes just go along with it. You know, and to be quite honest, sometimes it's a little embarrassing. You know, like, well, I guess I walk out. Okay, man. Uh, but but I do I do I I, I, I yield to it I, I yield to it and and I, I don't see myself as that important that I need uh, that type of, of of help but I do see it it is it is a it is a blessing that someone will do that and and be willing to do it and not everyone is called to do that not everyone has that type of sensitivity I've noticed that not everyone is, has that kind of sensitivity and that that heart to do. And so I don't want to get in the way of it, you know. So if you ever see it happening, just understand this. I'm not, it's more about his assignment than it is about me and me feeling like I'm superior and need somebody to, to help me out. I hope that makes sense to you. So I, I, I'm submitting to an assignment that someone else has in the kingdom, okay? And sometimes we have to do the same thing. Somebody trying to do something for you, let them do it. God may have told them to do it. Let, just get out of the way and stop your, I can do this myself. You know, the trouble with some people, the biggest problem with some people is that they won't allow other people to help them. And it's clearly, clearly you need help. <laughs> clearly you need to get out of the way and let somebody help you. Just let them help you. Even in the smallest of things, let them help you. Stop fighting it. Okay, that's pride. All right. There is a service of common courtesy as we wind this all down. See what? The, yeah, we, we got a few more minutes. Uh, there is a service of common courtesy. Such deeds of compassion have fallen on hard times in our day. Isn't that the truth? But we must never despise rituals of relationship that are in every culture. In one of the few ways left in modern society to acknowledge and value one another, we are to be gentle and show perfect courtesy toward all men. You know, uh, my wife and I, we were up in New Jersey one time, and I'm, I'm up there with a, with a straight Southern mentality, man. I'm, how you doing? You know, how how, how y'all doing? I'm walking down the street. Folk look at me like I was crazy. You know, why, why is he? Who's this knucklehead? It's, it's whether you like it or not, it's a show of value. It's like, I do see you. Now, sometimes we may not, it, it may be pretentious, who knows, but it's still an acknowledgement that someone is there. It's still a value statement. 
I think I think there there are are I think we really should be very concerned when we lose just the the small uh, social skills of saying hello and saying how are you and smiling at someone and 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 acknowledging people you know all the time it doesn't matter where or who or what you know when you go in on the job you go in and say hello to the people that own the job with you and you go into uh uh, you're even even at home, you know, um, you know, I have to tell my kids sometimes, excuse me, excuse me, you didn't say hello, no, nothing. You didn't say what well, you just walked right by. And uh, so my, my daughter, especially, she'll come through the, the room sometimes and I say, hello, Katie. And she'll go, huh? <laughs> I'll take it. I do, I'm just glad she said, hmm. you know, but hopefully later in life, she'll understand the necessity of seeing everyone, and she does. I mean, she'll speak, and she, she, she's not, she's not cold and cold-hearted. But it's important for us to understand the service of courtesy. Just the, what, what does it hurt us to smile at someone? Really, what does it hurt us to go uh, and acknowledge the people as we walk by them? Hey, good morning. How are you? Hey, hey, Johnny. How you doing? See you. Hey, good to see you. All, what does it hurt? What does it hurt to look at someone? Look at them long enough because most time people have their heads down and you're like, oh, hey, how you doing? That means a lot. It means a lot. And not only that, but teach it to our children because it's important for them to acknowledge older people. It's an, an important for them to, to be able to say, hey, Mr. James, hey, Mr. Johnny, hey, Mr. Smith. Hey, sister so-and-so, hello. And when they come home from school, make sure that they go by and see other people. Those are, that's important courtesies. It don't cost you nothing to be nice, to be courteous. We can do that today, right? If we, we don't leave with anything else. We cannot become hardened by a hard world, an uncivil world. You know, it's amazing to me when you see uh, these public meetings and you see them when they're making their statements, uh, that, that people make their little uh, comments afterwards. I'm like, have we lost our cotton-picking minds? All of these hard, mean statements as though someone's really trying to do you wrong. Someone's trying to do you in as a conspiracy to slow you down or hurt your children or whatever. No, why can't we just be a little more civil? You know, especially in a community like in which we live where many people go to church. Many people don't go to church. But, but let's, let's not be like the world. Let's not be uncivil. Let's learn some civility. You may not like what I believe, or you may not like my opinions, you may not like what I stand for, but let's learn to be civil. It's so easy just to say hello and smile and be courteous. And especially when you serve and people are in restaurants, don't you act a jack and go out there and, and, and uh, be all mean and not slam you you know, ask for all of these things and not leave them a tip or anything like that. You know, don't just don't tell if you go to New Day, don't tell them you go to New Day, please. Don't invite them to our church. Don't say, hey, I'd love you to go to New Day. And then you're treating them so bad. Don't do that. Let's, let's treat people right. Let's make ourselves of no reputation. If you don't get anything else today, get that. That's important. Number, number uh, 12, there is a service of humility. Peter urges us to practice hospitality ungrudgingly to one another. Paul does the same and even makes it one of the requirements of the office of a bishop. There is a desperate need today for Christians who will open their homes to one another. 
you know. You know, that, that's, that's like it's our castle. We put a moat up, and we're like, nobody can come in. Nobody can come over. We just, we just lock it down. And, and, you know, that's not the way it should be. We should be far more open with allowing people to come and hospitality. And it's really not difficult. Sometimes, you know, just, just you know, my, 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 uh, my uh, uh, nephew, uh, Logan Smith, uh, he's now going off to college. But that joker, man, not joker, but that guy, he just comes in our house. Like, like he comes in our house when we're not even at home. <laughs> and get some chocolate or whatever, you know. And and but it's okay. He's he, he understands this sense of fat. Now, now, now y'all can't do that. Uh, you can come over, but don't come over like Logan Smith does. He just comes over, opens up the refrigerator, goes in the cabinet, gets food out of the cabinet. But that's all right. I do it at his house too. You know. So that's what I'm talking. Practicing hospitality. Maybe not always to that degree, but learn how to do that. Learn occasionally. You know, then this is far, but learn occasionally have somebody over for dinner. Just have them over and sit down and have a good meal and sit down and talk for a while. Have some lingering time where you just sit down and, and talk. You don't always have to be in a hurry, gobble, 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 and, and go. But just do it like they used to do in the old days, where you sit out on the front porch and about 10, 15 cars drive by during the day, and you sit out there for the next five, six, eight hours just hosting people as they stop by. That's good stuff. Practicing hospitality, that's a service as well. Number 13, there's a service of listening. The first service that one owes others in the fellowship consists of listening to them. Just as love to, uh, as love to God begins the listening of his words, so the beginning of love for the brethren is learning to listen to them. That's important as well. It's important. People want to be heard, and we, are, we can offer that to them as a service. We don't always have to say always have to have an opinion, always be trying to get our thoughts out. And sometimes, you know, you're you're at the end of your words and then you get gobbled up by their words, you know. And I, I'm good for that sometimes. I'm trying to get my words out and I'm trying to, they, they caused me to get an idea when they said what they just said. And, and so I'm thinking, I'm, I'm listening kind of to what they're saying, but I'm also ready to come back with something that I was thinking of also and I'm gobbled up their words. You know, like a Pac-Man. No, just people like that. You know, uh, my son uh, Gabriel. He's a good listener. I told him that before. He's a very good listener. He doesn't have to to add his opinion. Matter of fact, he'll go silent on you sometimes. I'm sitting there talking to him. I'm like, Gabe, Gabe. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm listening. In other words, he doesn't feel the need to have to say anything. And he does these interviews now with people, and, and he does a really good job because all he does is ask a question and listen. He doesn't break in. He doesn't try to add his thoughts or opinions. He just listens. And people are endeared to him because he's willing to listen to them and not always to have, have to have a say. 14, to listen to others quiet, others quiets the disciplines of the mind to listen to God. If we learn how to listen to others, guess what? We'll learn how to listen to God as well. It creates an inward working upon the heart that transforms the affections, even the priorities of life. When we have grown dull, when we have grown dull, 
in listening to God, we would do well to listen to others in silence and see if we do not hear God through them. Anyone who thinks that his time is too valuable to spend keeping quiet will eventually have no time for God and his brother, but only for himself and for his own follies. As we close out here, the last two, uh, the last one is this, is service of bearing the burdens of each other. Bear one another's burdens so that we will fulfill the laws of Christ. We learn how to learn to, to, to get involved, uh, enter into other people's course in life. Learn how to pick up their burdens, not to carry them. God doesn't want us carrying other people's burdens. He says, my yoke is easy, my burdens are light. So we give, we give the burdens of someone else over to the Lord, but we pick them up off of them and hand them over to the Lord. We pick the burden up. Don't carry it for any length of time. Pick it up and give it to God. Sometimes people just need that. Some people need uh, just a little help. You know, when Jesus was going to the cross, uh, there was a man who took his cross and helped him get the rest of the way. You know, now he was, I'm assuming, conscripted to do so. Uh, but even still, there was someone who took the burden of the cross off of his shoulders so that he could make it the rest of the way. And, and we all need, I know I need that sometimes, you know. Uh, I, I need the burden uh, lifted off, off of me. And sometimes in talking to others or having others pray for me or being in the company of other people, it, you can lighten the burdens off your life, of your life by, by just being in fellowship. Finally, there is the service of sharing the word of life with one another. The service of sharing the word of life so that we spend time, enough time in the presence of God. God's got something uh, for each one of us to say to someone else. I don't have it all. Brother Stacy here with me, he doesn't have it all. Uh, other people that... that but together we can hear from God and we can share and minister, serve, minister, serve other people with that word. But it takes our getting in our own private time with God, allowing him to speak to us so we can say what thus saith the Lord out of our hearts. That's important. And sometimes people don't know, they don't even know how much they've helped me by spending time with God in their own private lives. They say something and I'm just hearing, I'm like, wow. And that was so good. That, that, that really, that blessed me. That, that just lifted a burden off of me like that. But where did they get it from? They got it from their own personal, private time with the Father through His Word. And they shared it with me. They shared with the Word of God with others. So we never know what kind of benefit we're going to give to other people if we just simply spend some time with the Heavenly Father. And then God will bring stuff out of us. It says the Pontinius, Pontinius, that were established in the by Catherine de Huic Doherty, and I'm probably butchering all of these names, have a rule. Those who go into the deserts of silence and solitude do so for others. They are to bring back any word they receive from God and share it with others. This is a gracious service to be rendered, for no individual can hear all that God wants to say. We need others in the body of Christ. Lastly, A prayer that we can all pray and I want to I'm gonna pray it and let's, I want you all to pray it as well it's just a few words say these words begin the day by praying Lord Jesus 
as it would please you, bring me someone today whom I can serve. Lord Jesus, as it would please you, bring me someone today whom I can serve. Let us all be praying that prayer every day. Bring me someone today whom I can serve, Lord Jesus. Let me be your hands. Let me be your feet. Let me be your eyes. Let me be your voice. Let me be your ears. Let me take you today where you'd like to go and serve who you want to serve. My life is not my own. You're in charge of my life. I hope you've gotten something out of this Bible study. I know I have. There's a lot heavy, heavy hangs over us when I say that. There's a lot that was said there for us to get hold of. But just do the things that God pricks in your heart, the Holy Spirit pricks. It might be what we talked about, just being friendlier. Just maybe you've gotten too inward set where you've even, you're not even looking up anymore and you walk right by people. And some people might be shocked tomorrow morning when you go to work and you say, Hey, Bill, how are you? Hey, Susie, how you doing? Hello, Jane, how's it going? Because they don't hear it from you on a regular basis. But if you'll do that, just smile, go by. It's not about you. Make sure that you, you show them that, God, I'm a servant of the Lord, and I'm here to make your day the best I possibly can. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you once more for this time together this evening. Thank you so much for teaching us. We all desire, because we have your heart, we desire to be good servants, good slaves to a loving master. Help us. Help us to serve others. Help us to entreat others the way you would. Help us to be Jesus to, in the lives of other people, the way he laid down his own life, even unto death. And we receive your help this evening by the help of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Wednesday night, so we, we receive, if we were in a regular service, we would receive an offering. You're welcome to give. Uh, you can either mail it in or you can uh, do online, newdaycc.com, um, or you can pick up an app. We have an app that you can go to on newdaycc.com, or you can even text it in. We're so very grateful to all of you that are giving and have been given, have been supporting this ministry, uh, especially through this pandemic. You've been faithful. God is rewarding your faithfulness. A lot is done. It's hidden. Nobody knows what you're doing. Uh, nobody, nobody knows how you're doing it, but you're doing it. And God says those who do it privately, he will reward openly. So thank God for the blessings that are upon you. You have a wonderful evening. Look forward to seeing you. Uh, we'll be back on Friday with uh, our prayer. And uh, also uh, this coming Sunday, remember, we have two services, 830 and at 10 o'clock. Uh, you know, uh, according to your faith, be it unto you minister that on that on Sunday you know uh, if you have a if you don't here's what I don't want you to do don't don't not come to church because now you love you love your other arrangements for receiving the word as far as being on the internet but if you still have a level of discomfort in coming to a, a public setting uh, then you know no problem stay at home but if you if you know in your heart <laughs> that man I just I just got lazy I don't like getting up. I just, boy, it's just been good for me just to stay at home, stay in the bed, and not do anything. And I want you to challenge yourself to get back into church. We've got this place taken care of. Number one, we pray. But number two, we wear masks. 
And number three, we have the ushers ministering each social distance. You come in by their direction, you leave by their direction, and all everything else is laid out. So we welcome you to come back. God bless you. We love you. Have a wonderful evening.